Let's, let's just start off by, first of all, recapping how we got to where we are. We're in 2 Peter. Peter has written this letter. Uh, he's written this letter shortly before he was to be executed for his faith. And he's written this letter to these Jesus followers. And, and, and similar to 1 Peter, in 2 Peter, we see him preparing them for opposition. Okay, now in, the, in 1 Peter, it was opposition's gonna come in all of these different areas of your life, right? But in 2 Peter, what we see is he's preparing them for opposition that they're gonna face from, and we're gonna look at this today and in the next few weeks, from false teachers and false prophets, okay? And, and, and so he's gonna now address those deceptive people who are going to oppose you in a way that is, one, unexpected, it's surprising, um, and you're deceived, which is really, really tough. But you guys, this is such an important topic, so important for us. Um, I don't think I've ever experienced a day and age where we've, uh, we've, got, we've got more platforms for more communicators to reach us than we ever have before. And, and we can essentially build, uh, we, we can build out what we want, can't we, right? We're in a day and age where uh, if you get your news on an app or on your phone, you get to literally pick, like the news that I get, um, I know that, that I literally have the ability to swipe left or right, whether I liked the article or I didn't, and then it'll build out the news that, that it thinks I want. Now, how dangerous is that thought, right? And, 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 and so we think of this day and age where everything is built uh, around convenience, around uh, me getting essentially what I want. And the danger that he's going to talk about is how when it comes to deception from false teachers, false prophets, they're going to give you essentially what you want. Okay, so we're going to walk through this, but you guys, it's really interesting how in the first part here of chapter one of Second Peter, he doesn't kick off by saying, hey, you need this and this and this uh, in order to be prepared for this. What does he do? He reminds them of all they already have. Okay, so essentially he brings them back to the foundations. And that was the heart of that first teaching was, was coming back to the foundations, coming back to those consistent rhythms in our life that we need to have uh, in order to be prepared for this opposition. Now, the temptation is what? I need what's new, what's fresh, a new thinker, a new way of doing things. When in reality, what we looked at in chapter one was God says, you've already got everything you need, okay? So, so, so grow in that, you know, first. And then last week, uh, Ken taught how scripture is reliable, how it wasn't just uh, some, some people's interpretation uh, where they just went, oh, I want to I talk about this, and I think a lot of people would love to hear this, and, and they were out in the woods and had this weird experience and wrote the Bible. Like, no, we, we see how it's reliable, how it was prophets who were moved and taught through the Holy Spirit. So last week, the focus was on how they, the reader, could trust God's word uh, because it's based off of not just these prophets, but it's all coming from the source. It's coming from God. And so he says, listen, these prophets weren't just out there dreaming these things up. These were men moved by the Holy Spirit. 
who wrote what specifically needed to be addressed and said. And so it is reliable, it is trustworthy, and Ken broke down how we can rely on the Bible. And uh, it is remarkable, uh, just the Bible, the development, the, uh, how it came to be and, and where we're at today and how it can connect uh, with us, with specifically where we're at. And it's very relevant, as much as you may hear the opposite. And so let's look at verses one through three here. He's addressed that. He says, Scripture's reliable. You can trust what the prophets have written down. And then in verse, in chapter two, verse one, it says, but false prophets also arose among the people, just as there will be false teachers among you who will secretly bring in destructive heresies, even denying the master who bought them, bringing upon themselves swift destruction. And many will follow their sensuality, and because of them, the way of truth will be blasphemed. And in their greed, they will exploit you with false words. Their condemnation from long ago is not idle, and their destruction is not asleep. So, he kicks off chapter two by saying, but, <laughs> right? So the Bible is reliable. You can trust these prophets of old who have written this down, but he warns that what? Not all prophets or teachers are from God, okay? He states literally that just as in the Old Testament, uh, just as these false prophets, these false teachers uh, were around the nation of Israel, infiltrating the nation of Israel, so they've now invaded the church, and you're going to be dealing with it. And, and, and I want to be clear, as we kind of walk down this journey, and I get it, this topic is intense, right? Isn't it an intense topic? It's not like, oh, yay, glad we were at church for this uplifting message, right, of hope. It's like, no, be warned, right? That's kind of the theme here. But you guys, I want to be clear on what we're talking about, what we're not talking about. When we talk about false teachers, false prophets, we're not talking about people uh, who have failed, okay? We're not talking about moral failure, right? Like, like we've, we've seen, and, and man, it's been sad to see church leaders for a variety of reasons morally fall, right? We've had friends, uh, spiritual mentors in our lives who have morally fallen, Okay? Um, now, when we say they've fallen, uh, man, they, they went down a road that they never desired or intended to go down, and, and it led to that, which is very, very sad. That's different than a false teacher whose purpose is to lead people astray, okay? So it's not talking about that. It's not talking about somebody who uh, has, been, has been trying to communicate God's word, and, 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 and maybe this is you. I know it was me where you're communicating what you believe is God's word and you're trying to honor God, but you just don't know a lot yet. And so you come to find out, man, what I said, that's not what it means. You ever done that? Where you tell people advice and you go, I think it says that in scripture. And you believe it does, right? And then you look back and you go, oh my goodness, that was so wrong. That was wrong. The nice thing for you is you can go back and say that. For me, whatever I say wrong, it lives on now through podcasts and everything else. And then you all share it. And then I, you know, it's fantastic. But, but when we think about that, it's not talking about people who have made a mistake, right? These are people 
who have deliberately set out to deceive, who have deliberately set out to to lead people down a, a distinctly different path, distinctly different journey than what God's word says. And, and you guys, this has been the story. This has been a, a warning that literally is all throughout God's word from, from the time of Moses. In Deuteronomy 13, he warns them about these false prophets. He warns uh, the nation of Israel there. We see Jesus warning the apostles. And then in the New Testament writings, we see the apostles warning their churches and therefore warning us. So the question is this, right? How do we, how do I identify these false teachers, these false prophets? How do I identify those people? And this is a challenge. Why? It's a challenge because these people don't just announce themselves, right? Like, like it's never happened where, where when this has gone on, someone's walked up on stage, grabbed a mic, okay, and just said, Steve, I have a quick announcement. All right, say what you need to say. Um, I'm here to lead some of you astray. Just so we're clear. Steve's gonna say this message. He's gonna preach to you God's word. And I'm gonna sound a lot like what Steve's saying. And I'm gonna use some of the same verses. But my goal is to actually lead you in a different direction. Who's with me? Okay, that's, that's not what happens, Right? That's not what happens if you meet somebody and, and they greet you and welcome to church. Just so you know, pastor's going to talk about this today. I have a different agenda. You should join my group, right? That, that has happened at some churches, but Lord willing, that's not happening here, okay? Lord willing. Uh, if it does, please tell me, okay? Um, but we see, you guys, this, this warning and we go, man, how in the world do I identify this? And here, once again, is the challenge. The challenge is, is, is how he says they, one, they bring about their deception. What does he say? He says, who will secretly bring in destructive heresies. He says, listen, this isn't a matter of if, it's a matter of when. They will be in your churches. Okay, and, and, and he says, they're not gonna stand up, they're not gonna announce uh, their plan. They are going to secretly, deceptively enter into uh, the church, and they're going to pose uh, as some some very um, appealing people. They could pose as pastors, teachers, evangelists, prophets, healers. They could, a small group uh, leader. Uh, this specific ministry that they have. Uh, they can, they can, they can literally infiltrate in any of those ways. In fact, Jude, who parallels a lot of Second Peter, talks about these people as those who have crept in unnoticed. And so, you guys, what we need to know and understand is is, is this: the, the, these are individuals whose teaching is going to be smooth. It's going to be winsome. It's going to be uh, persuasive. It's going to sound right in a lot of ways. In fact, they will more than likely use scripture. They'll actually use and take Bible verses, and they will seem to have this special or unique understanding, and you'll go, man, that's so incredible. Man, I, I, I want to have that understanding. How did you get that? How do you know that? 
and they will appear super spiritual. And, and, and you guys, Jesus warned us about this. He warned us. Okay, in Matthew 7, 15, Jesus says, beware of false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly are ravenous wolves. Okay, they're gonna, they're gonna look like you. They're gonna talk like you. Uh, you're gonna think, that in a lot of ways, we have the same uh, belief. And Paul knew that this was gonna be a huge challenge for the churches and a huge challenge for the young leaders that were tasked with leading these local churches. And so he tells Timothy, in 2 Timothy chapter 4, 2 through 4, he says this to the, to the young leader. He says, preach the word, be ready in season and out of season, reprove, rebuke, and exhort with complete patience and teaching. He says, for the time is coming when people will not endure sound teaching, but having itching ears, they will accumulate for themselves teachers to suit their own passions and will turn away from listening to the truth and wander off into myths. Should I just close in prayer? I could. So I delivered that. Didn't need to add to it, right? You want to talk about a section of scripture that just sums up the reality of the culture that we're in right now? Not just culture, the Christian culture that we're in right now? That nails it right on the head, doesn't it? Right? Truth isn't good enough anymore. Yeah, I know the Bible says that, but there's something greater. There's, there's more. And, and, and you know what that was for this specific point in time? Man, this is a totally new day and age. We've got the metaverse, all of these things. Um, Elon Musk is talking about putting brain chips that know the music we want in our brain, and we'll just, it'll just play it for us. We've got stuff now. The Bible, that was great, but now we are hitting on all cylinders in humanity. We're ready. Right? And, 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 and so we're at this day and age now where once again, we have this unique ability through technology in a lot of ways to build out what we want. And the truth isn't satisfying enough anymore, is it? Right? Like that was great. And that's a good like foundation. But now I want more. I want stuff that's really going to connect to where I'm at. And ultimately what I'm saying is I want it to spiritually align with what I want to do and how I want to think about culture. So, so I'm going to, I'm going to talk about God. I'm going to talk about what Jesus did on the cross. All of those things are great, but when it comes to biblical absolutes, that no longer is a thing for me. That's a negotiable thing. Why? He talks about because now they want their ears itched. Now you go, I don't get that, right? <laughs> what is that? What is tickled ears? What does that even mean? It means we, there's going to be a day and age, and we're there, where he says, you're only going to want to hear what you want to hear. And you're going to disregard anything that bumps against that, aren't you? And so that's what we do, right? We look at our news app. We look at our podcast. We, we, we think about uh, the church that, that we're going to call home. And all of these decisions now are on the table because of me. what I want, my desires. And Paul is saying here, listen, there are going to be those that come in 
and they're going to feed those desires that you and I have. Guys, listen, unfortunately, this sin thing is, is, is something we're gonna deal with. And sin is gonna continue to move you back to what? How can I get what I want, isn't it? Just always, That's, you're always gonna bend in that direction. And so God's word should always challenges, challenge us out of that, shouldn't it? It should, always, it should always bring this tension with it. We don't want that tension, but we know we need it, don't we? This tension of this is my way of wanting to do things, and this is God's way. Now, that's a fork in the road. What am I going to choose? But what's going to be so deceptive about this, and Paul says, is you're going to be in a day and age where people aren't going to want that fork in the road. They're going to want to know that they can get both. They're going to want to know that they can still have this Savior without this Lord. And so they're going to build for themselves um, teachers that are going to give them that. And he says, you need to be weary of that. You need to be alert uh, to uh, that. And, and, and Paul in 2 Corinthians actually says, listen, I'm not surprised at the deception and how it's going to happen because I know who inspired them. Look at what he says in 2 Corinthians 11, verses 13 through 15. He says, for such men are false apostles, deceitful workmen, disguising themselves as apostles of Christ. And no wonder, for even Satan disguises himself as an angel of light. So it is no surprise if his servants also disguise themselves as servants of righteousness. Their end will correspond to their deeds. Do you see this, what Paul is saying? Paul is saying that, that, that Satan can disguise himself as an angel of light. In other words, uh, Satan's greatest work is when he manipulates us into thinking it's God leading us when it's him. Some of his greatest works, to be honest, are, are with the Bible, to where, to where he takes scripture and just distorts it just, I mean, just a little. That's all he needs, just a little bit, right? And, and, and all of a sudden, you and I, were like, well, I've been praying for that. That must be God. And Paul's like, listen, they are literally following the, the, the head deceiver, the father of lies, right? And so what do you think they're going to do? Right, they're gonna take on those same characteristics. In other words, they're going to also deceive you into thinking it's righteousness. They're gonna deceive you into thinking their message is from Jesus and they're gonna say Jesus' name. Guys, here's, here's where it just hits us. And this is where it hit me this morning. You guys, it says false teachers, they're gonna arise, it says, in and through the church. The reason I want to focus on that for a minute is this. I think just naturally, especially for those of you that, that work somewhere uh, in an environment or go to school somewhere or, or, or on a team where it's very clear you're the only one who wants to follow Jesus, right? And, and, and so for, for, for a lot of us, we get up in the morning and if we're trying to follow Jesus, uh, we're just like, okay, God, it's going to be tough. It's going to be hard, God, but I am going to live for you. I'm going to respond uh, in a way that you asked me to respond. I'm going to be gracious. I'm going to be loving. I'm going to stand on truth, God. God, I will pray for my lunch today out loud. I'll do it. And, 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 and you are committed, right? And, but what are you preparing yourself for? You're preparing yourself for the opposition that you believe is going to come from where? The outside. Guys, uh, I think we're, we're 
deceived in a lot of ways simply because we assume that the deception, the manipulation is going to come from the outside. And, and I think we actually have certain people in our minds when we think about these verses. We literally have images of people and we go, oh, it's gonna come from them. And what Paul warns us, what Peter here is warning us is, is no, you're gonna be fooled. It's gonna come from within. It's gonna be a family thing. It's gonna be someone you trust. It's gonna be a spiritual mentor. It could be your pastor. It could be a, a teacher that you respect. It could be uh, someone that other people are saying, you need to listen to this person. You need to fall in line here. This is incredible. And, 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 and it's gonna surprise you. He says, you're not gonna... It, you're not going to just see it. And, and, and so for whatever reason, I think, and part of it, I think we've just highlighted this, this battle that we're in in an unchurched culture, right? But, but the reality is Satan wants to focus his opposition on the church. He wants to destroy the family of God. Okay? And, 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 and it, 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 we see that in our own personal families, don't we? How many things do we do? And I'm a parent of three boys, so I get it. How many things do we do, right, to, to guard and protect our family? All kinds of things, right? And then all of a sudden, what happens? Oh my goodness, my marriage is awful. It's over? How in the world did that happen? My child, what, what are they doing? Why? I raised them differently to believe. What is happening? And all of a sudden, you're experiencing opposition and pain in a way that you never thought you could feel it, huh? I grew up in a pastor's home and the greatest pain I ever saw my parents go through was from our family. It wasn't external opposition. And guys, in the family of God, that's, that's the deception part, is he wants us to think that, oh, the enemy lives outside of these walls. He's only at work, he's only in those areas and those relationships, and, and in here, you're good, everything's all right. Guys, no, he wants to have a field day in this space. He looks at ecclesia as an opportunity. And so we need to know that, and, and so Peter is warning us against this, and, and, and that's why he says this to the shepherds of these churches. In Titus chapter 1-9, he says, he must hold firm to the trustworthy word as taught so that he may be able to give instruction in sound doctrine and also to rebuke those who contradict it. Okay, so, so what, is, what, is, what does Peter say they're gonna introduce there? What, uh, he, says, he says they're going to what? They, they will secretly bring in destructive heresies, it says. Okay, so they're gonna secretly, and once again, they're not gonna announce it. They're gonna bring in these destructive heresies. Now, what is heresies? That seems like a spiritual word. Well, heresies, when you see that word used, it's, it's literally opinions. So a heresy is it's an opinion against the foundational doctrine of the word of God. Okay, so it's when my opinion goes against God's word. Okay, um, and, and, and so what are they bringing? They're bringing in uh, an opinion, a personal opinion, and it says what? It's going to have disastrous consequences. Okay, uh, it, like literally eternal consequences based upon these destructive uh, opinions. He literally says these false teachers have, have exchanged, he's saying, the truth of God's word for their own opinions. 
And, and, and then what they teach is this to, to those who are naive or maybe just immature in their faith is they, they speak this very religious, encouraging, uplifting message. But in reality, it's a religious counterfeit message. See, once again, they're not going to uh, openly oppose the gospel. They're not going to. In fact, they may say the gospel. They may, claim, uh, they may claim to have received it. They may claim that that's their goal is to reach people with the gospel. They may, uh, but they also may say, I have, I have the true interpretation of the gospel. Let me share this with you. And I would be very careful if anything starts to feel controlling or manipulative. I used to tell uh, pastors on my staff when I was in San Diego, I used to say, if something sounds weird or feels weird, you listen to that feeling. Listen to it. Don't ignore it. Usually the Holy Spirit's trying to tell you something. Guys, I, I was telling someone this the other day, the easiest way to sneak in something like this, to sneak in a destructive, or, is, is, is by just saying the word gospel. Right? I, I've never seen a day and age where I've heard more people say, well, they talk about the gospel. I'm like, oh. So if, like, if I was telling someone, if someone just said the gospel a lot in their teaching or just said, oh, I'm gospel-centered, I'm gospel-focused, um, I'm, I'm all about the gospel, uh, guess what we do? Yes, me too, right? We're there. And, and even more so, if I'm just saying the gospel and, and, and just saying that word, and then I attach a political agenda with it. Oh, baby, I got a following. At least that's what social media tells me, right? That's what the last two years have taught us, right? Like, like, like we will fall hook, line, and sinker for that all day long. Why? Because that opinion is great. And it aligns with what? My opinions, and so, guys, to be honest, we're never far away of becoming this. In fact, the moment we start to value and, and um, increase and elevate our opinion over God's word, that's when we start down this road. Okay? And, and guys, once again, we all are going to struggle with this because we all have strong opinions based upon our backgrounds. We all have opinions. I mean, uh, you walk in. Guys, just think of all the opinions you have. You have the opinions when you pull up to church. Well, why don't they have a building? Why are they in a school? You have opinions when you walk in. That person looked at me funny. They must know, right? You, you have opinions when you walk in, you sit down. Why are the chairs metal? Don't they have any money? And, and then, oh, a bleacher. Well, I got to sit on a bleacher? What is this, an event? Oh, it's a sports event. That's what it is. It's all about a show. And then, and then the worship, right? Why do they have young people on stage? Oh, well, they had camp that way. Okay, that makes sense. I'm okay with that now. And now he's teaching, but is it enough of God's word? I don't know. How many verses is he actually going to use? Right? And then the end, we're not even at the end yet, right? We're just getting started in our opinions, right? Then we go home. And we got all these other opinions, right? And, and, and here, guys, is it wrong to have opinions? You don't even know now. You're like, I don't want to say anything. I'm going to say a word. He's like, done. <laughs> no. Guys, you can have opinions. I'll listen to your opinion. I promise. I've got opinions. I've got strong feelings, all of those. But guys, every single one of us has to know that there is this bend in us. Ugh that continually draws me back to selfishness 
And that's what my opinions have the ability to do if I start to elevate them above God's word. And so are opinions bad? No. But we have to be careful because Satan wants to take opinions, use them, and then elevate them. And in his mind, that's how he divides. And guess what? He says, not only are you going to feel that, but I'm going to bring in leaders who are going to feed that opinion under the umbrella of God's word. That's a scary thought. But Peter then says, these are individuals who are refusing to submit to our sovereign Lord and Savior Jesus. In other words, these teachers, he, he literally says, they deny the master who bought them. Guys, Jesus purchased redemption for everybody on the cross, didn't he? He purchased redemption. But guys, not everybody receives it, do they? Which is so sad. So, so he's like, these are, these are people who are gonna know what Jesus did on the cross, but they're people that are gonna deny that. They're people that are gonna say that that's, that's, that's fantastic. Um, and they may even say they believe it. They may even say they teach it, but they are individuals who are not going to submit their lives, their opinions, their ideals under the sovereignty of God. They're, they're gonna say, oh, that's great. And, and maybe I believe that, but he is not Lord over their life. Okay, guys, there is a huge temptation to try and get a savior without a Lord. And culture's selling that left and right. Okay, I don't know about you, but I've never been very good at leading me. So I don't need just a savior, I need a Lord. Okay, and we need a Lord. And it's not, it's not salvation if he's not Lord, right? Because if you just prayed a prayer, uh, but, but said, I wanna continue to lead me, but thank you for what you did on the cross, and I totally believe in that, you're still Lord of you, aren't you? And so we have to declare him not only as Savior, but as Lord. We're going to have baptisms next week. These aren't people that are just like, thank you for saving me. They're like, no, you are Lord of my life. I am coming back out of the water as a picture of the resurrection of a new life. And so Peter, before moving on here, he does address uh, something that, that is, is very important. He says, listen, swift destruction is going to be brought upon these, these individuals. They are headed towards a fast-approaching judgment. Guys, one of the things that you will see throughout Scripture is this. The church is called what? Not only the body of Christ, but what? The bride of Christ. The bride of Christ. He loves his bride. Loves his bride. So who are you and I to think he will not defend his bride? right? He will defend his bride. If I get in the way of what he wants to do here, he just flip me. I'm gone. It's his bride. And he's not going to let, he's not going to let anything stand in the way of that. You guys, when you think about your, if you're married, uh, it's one thing, you know, for someone to mess with you, but it is a totally different thing for someone to mess with your spouse, isn't it? You're like, it's game on at that point. Like, let's go. <laughs> you don't mess with my spouse. And guys, God's word is clear. You don't mess with his spouse. He's gonna handle Satan and he is gonna handle anybody that is, is trying to divide, uh, manipulate, or draw 
the family of God away from each other. He is going to deal with it. And so he says that is what's going to happen to these individuals. And so you guys, the challenge for us is we're to do the same, right? Like we're to do the same. And, and, and so when we see this, when we see uh, deception being brought in, when we see uh, these false teachers coming and, and teaching something that, that sounds, man, it, it's, ah, no, that's off. Like, I know that's off. And that, like, like we, we're not called to just sit there and go, oh, great, keep preaching that. Oh, good luck. I hope they figure it out. Like, no. We're to stand up against that. We're to call that out. We're to, we're to be like, no, that has no business here. And, and we're not gonna be okay with that. And so, guys, we have to be aware and we have to respond accordingly when this deception, when these things are happening. Because one of the things that I see is for the sake of love, unity, and, and avoidance, we just go, oh, well, we kind of have the same religion. It's just a little different. I'm sure it's all going to work out in the end. High five. Way to go. Right? We kind of have that attitude and that posture. But in reality, we see the gospel's different. And if we're not careful, if we don't see it, if we can't identify these deceptive teachings that are out there, you guys, what happens is this. We start to buy in to a, a religion or a way of living out my Christian faith in a way that, that works for me, but because I'm not developing, I'm not, I'm not being discipled, and I'm not growing in my understanding of God's word, even if I'm trying to see if something's destructive, I can't see it. And so guys, one of the reasons that I see across our our, uh, our Christian landscape, one of, the, one of the biggest struggles, and people are like, it's this, it's this, it's that, and I always say, our biggest struggle right now is there is a huge lack of discipleship that we're seeing the effects of. People don't know. And guys, uh, the people that I meet, and, and man, if, if I see you in something like that, I'm gonna do everything I can to help draw you out of that. But, but nobody that I've ever met with that was caught up in, in something, uh, in, in deception or all that, none of them said to me, Steve, I was just looking for something deceptive. Like I was kind of looking for, uh, you know, this, 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 this occult type experience. That's what I was looking for. Oh, great. Okay. No, they were deceived. They were tricked. They felt, they, they, they're hurt, right? But they didn't know because they hadn't grown in their faith. Guys, we offer discipleship, school, Bible here. Those are not things we're just like, oh, you should do that. No, we believe in the equipping. We believe in us growing in our understanding of God's word. Now, there's some debate as to whether these false teachers were actually saved and then they lost their salvation. Uh, these are individuals who have um, falsely claimed uh, to receive Jesus and the fruit of their lives comes forth, right? Like, like the reality that they haven't been um, placing themselves under Christ and following him, it is evident over uh, time. And so they were never truly followers of him in the first place. And then we see Peter say something alarming here. What does he say uh, in verse three? He says, well, in verse two, he says, and many will follow their sensuality. And because of them, the way of truth will be blasphemed. Okay, so, so this is, this is, alarming for us today. 
He doesn't say, hey, some are going to be tricked, some are going to follow, some are going to fall into some of these deceptive uh, heresies and these opinions and these thoughts. Uh, No, he says, many are going to follow. That's tough. It's even more tough when you think about the names, the, the, the people that you know that have fallen into this and been hurt by this, but, but, but he literally says many are going to follow, and he says one of the reasons they're going to follow is because of the message. This is going to be a very trending message, and, and he uses the word sensuality there, uh, which uh, is essentially, uh, we see throughout Scripture, used um, about sexual sin, right? Taking sexuality beyond what God has designed it to be, and he says that's going to be a part of their message. In other words, they're going to be preaching a message that, hey, you can have all of God and you can still sexually do whatever you want. And in our culture right now, oh my goodness, people are signing up for that left, right, aren't they? They're like, fantastic. So I get to do that and and whatever, and then I get that. And and they're like, oh, great. Well, that's perfect. I will do that. Okay, and and, and now what do we we see more than any other time in history, right? You, You talk about just in regards to sex, more confusion, more hurt, more pain, more trauma, more abuse. It is insane. When God is absolute about that, he is absolute because he loves us. And yet this message is going to sound appealing because it's going to be a message that says, no, you can still do all that. He says that's going to be a characteristic of this message, and it's going to be trending, and many are going to want to hear it. Jesus made it very clear that wide is the road that leads to destruction, right? And he says, how many are going to choose that? Many. And narrow is the way of life, the way of righteousness. And he says, very few are going to choose that, you guys. And the reason for that is because Satan has been so great at deceiving and using deceiving teachers to make that wide road look so appealing. And so they fall into it and they follow that message. He says the destruction of their teaching is that the gospel will be blasphemed. Guys, you want to know what the heart of the message is for Satan? Satan's heart is to distort and to blaspheme the gospel message, right? It's to, it's to do everything he can to take away from what Christ did on the cross for you and for me. And, and, and so when we think of the heart of this, the heart of this is, is attacking the very work that Jesus did for you and, and, and for me. And that's why, you guys, we need to be draw, doctrinally sound. Sometimes I hear people talk about like these major doctrines of the faith and they're like, oh, th- that's okay. This is, this is you know, just part of you know, figuring things out. And it's like, no, you, you need to figure this out And if you don't know, we need to help you grow in your understanding of truth because the enemy is so good at manipulating truth. And and, and part of this too, you guys, is we need to actively demonstrate what the gospel looks like, don't we? In our actions, in our words. And then lastly, in verse three, he says their primary motivation for bringing in this false message and teaching it is what? What does he say? Greed. Financial greed. That's going to be at the heart of this, is a desire for more and more money. In fact, later in this chapter, uh, Peter describes false teachers as having hearts trained in greed. So these are individuals who are going to start 
talking about, hey, you should give, you should give me, you should make this happen, I started this thing. There's gonna be a lot of words they're gonna use to try and get people's money. And he literally says, they're going to try to exploit you with, he uses the term, false words. False words. So he's gonna, he's gonna literally try and get your money, this false teacher, um, and, and, and try to get you to give them money through false words. Now, false, when we go back where, you know, we actually get the word uh, plastic from the Greek word that false came from, plastos. And plastic is what? Typically and historically, it's like that thing that's not real, right? That's how we kind of have described it. Now, plastic now is like crazy all that they're doing with plastic. But historically, it's like not, that's not exactly real, right? And so when we think about this false teaching to exploit, it's going to sound and look very real, very authentic, um, like it's doing a great work, and yet it's going to be plastic, right? It, it, it's, it's not going to be the real thing. And they're going to use whatever words and tools they need to in order to get your money to grow what they want, how they want to live, and they are going to be very, very good at that. And so once again, we need to be aware. We need to guard our hearts. We need to guard our minds from these things. You guys, the Bible is very clear. Satan has been doing this since the Old Testament, right? I mean, he kicked it off with the garden, okay? It's not going to stop. It's not going to stop till Christ comes back, is it? And so we're going to be faced with this, confronted with uh, uh, this. And so we need to be alert. We need to be prepared. We need to take our personal growth seriously. We need to ask ourselves, where are we at in our understanding of God's word? Where are we at? Do we really know this? Can we stand on this? Can we defend this? Can, uh, can we identify when somebody's taking this, twisting it and distorting it for their own gain uh, to, in, in order to deceive us? Are we able to see that? If not, guys, what are we gonna do about it? How are we gonna make this a priority? How are we going to grow? And it goes back to that first teaching from chapter one on coming back to God's word. You guys, we need to receive this, grow in this, and then we need to live it. Because if there's people actively living in a way to deceive it, more and more do people need to know what the real life looks like, don't they? The primary defense and we'll go back to this over and over again. The primary defense is gonna be God's word. Amen? I pray that we are a church and we're gonna go through all kinds of seasons just as we have, okay? I mean, we talk about moving five times in the last two years. I, I, I had someone the other day go, oh, hey, where are we meeting at these days? And that's like a normal question that I get asked every week. And I think of the journey and the seasons and the difficulties and the struggles and everything else, you guys, and I just pray that above all else, we can remain faithful to God's word because that's it. He's gonna do everything he wants with this church as we remain faithful to that calling and, and we are true to that. And I, and I think that as, as elders, you know, I talked a couple weeks ago about the eldership and that calling. And guys, that is so critical and important for us. I mean, I, I meet with uh, a teaching team, a group of elders who, who literally have, every month, and they have the opportunity to critique me on all my teachings. Yeah, I know. That's fun. Um, 
But I love that. I want that. I need that. It's important. Right? We have, we have a finance team. Why is that important? Because, guys, we see in Scripture how the enemy is going to try to initiate the deception. And so we have to do everything we can as a church and as leadership to guard against those things. Amen? But ultimately, guys, you got to guard your heart. 